previously on The Sean Ryan Show. I mean, I just, I don't see a way out of this. I just talked to this guy last week. He's part of the Afghan resistance. That is the true disconnect of reality of what's important in Washington versus what our opponents are thinking about. Russia, Ukraine's always at the top of the media headlines. Vladimir Putin is a traditionally trained KGB officer, operated in the 90s, in the 80s, uh, at the height of the Cold War. What is our motivation? What is our real motivation to be there? It's that neocon attitude of weaken Russia, destroy Russia, all the rest. The promises that were made, hey, we're not gonna extend NATO uh, farther east, the neocon, paradigm that is dominant in the Democrat foreign policy now is one that Russia must be destroyed and embarrassed and brought to heel, etc. Back to the Wagner group. Leader was just shot down a couple weeks ago. Yep. What was that? You see the images of them in St. Petersburg together and he gives them the embrace. I don't know, was that like the kiss of death? When we get back, uh, we'll start diving into Frontier Group. Hey everybody, this is part two of the Eric Prince episode. Once again, this episode has been censored by me to fit the YouTube community guidelines. If you want to see the uncensored version, it is over on my Patreon. Please head over to Apple and Spotify. Leave us a review for the podcast. Tell us how we're doing. And once again, we see you guys taking our content, making these cool reels and helping promote the show. We made it easy on you. There's a link below. There are thousands of reels from all the episodes. You can download them for free, turn them into your own creation, send them out into the world, make money on them, monetize them. All we ask is that you give credit to the Sean Ryan Show. All right, and thank you all for doing it. Cheers, everybody. Have a great rest of your week. Much love. All right, Eric, we're back from the break. We're going to talk about Frontier Group. What is it? Well, I, um, after I sold BW, it closed, the sale closed in 210, and um, I'd moved to the UAE because of uh, Somali piracy and because um, they wanted to do something about it. And so I was an advisor for a program which ended Somali piracy. And um, I talked about that last time. We did. Um, and that worked. And I thought, you know, if um, if we can do operations against pirates across hundreds of miles of unmanaged roads in Somalia, then building a mine or doing whatever in, um, in the likes of Africa maybe isn't impossible. So I started uh, Frontier Resource Group, which was focused on um, early stage development of mining, um, geoscience exploration kind of stuff in the in the African mineral space. And then um, while I was traveling around the world trying to raise money, passed through Hong Kong and a tycoon said, please come and build a logistics company here that will focus on uh, supporting big Chinese projects in Africa because they have a terrible problem with transportation and security. And so that's what started Frontier Service Group, which was a Hong Kong listed company that um, ended up uh, buying and operating an air operation in Kenya, which did 
medevac and VIP transport. In fact, it actually uh, did a lot of medevac support for the USG in Somalia. In fact, whenever the AFRICOM commander would visit Somalia, he would fly on a uh, uh, on an aircraft from Phoenix Aviation, which is based in Nairobi. So, um, and it owned a trucking company in South Africa, which did the trucking of groceries and consumer goods from Cape Town and Durban all the way up through the DRC, um, uh, through Malawi, Zim, etc. We did a fishing program in Mozambique for a couple of years, managing a, a tuna fleet, and then also did a um, air charter operation, air cargo operation out of Malta, and it actually managed some uh, some business jets there, which for the likes of Madonna and Guns N' Roses and that kind of stuff. So people have mischaracterized it as a PMC. Uh, there was no armed people uh, working for the company. It was a really interesting window into how China Inc. works. And I left as more and more mainland money got involved. Citic Group, which is the, I don't know if it's the largest, but it was the original SOE, state-owned enterprise, became a bigger and bigger investor in the company. And when they uh, they started requiring CCP membership committee meetings and all the rest, that was, I was out. So I think that was two and a half, almost three years ago. But seeing how slow the decision-making process was and how everything is political uh, on the Chinese side, it really, uh, I got to understand how, um, how Beijing makes its decisions and how all things, all decision-making is really directed towards what the CCP wants. And I really, you know, I got frustrated because there was a, I've had a, a string of bad CEOs and um, there was a Chinese guy that just the board could not fire. All I was was I was a chairman for a while and then just a um, a board member. Couldn't get rid of this guy. Nobody I, was failing. Couldn't do it. And I read uh, rather an interesting book called The Party, and it's a really inside look uh, as to how the CCP is organized. And they actually have a a general personnel department that assigns people into certain roles, uh, whether it's into a company, into a private company into a government ministry or whatever. Um, but if people are very concerned about China taking over Africa. They have they have a bit of a head start, but it's a very fixable problem as well because they don't do local um, development the way a Western company does. Everything, if China goes to build a mine or a project somewhere in Africa, they take everything with them from China down to the guy that cooks noodles and the barber. I mean, everything. They don't do any kind of local empowerment, extremely racist, extremely uh, abusive towards the locals. And so all those governments are quite happy to have Western capital and Western uh, Western quality of work. But the Chinese do black bag diplomacy very, very well. And, and so even the, again, the law of unintended consequences of all the anti-corruption stuff that the U.S. pushes for, which is a legitimate, noble goal, but it makes it so that it's very difficult for any Western companies to go operate in a very challenged, corrupt environment. Even the French, right? The French have a, um, a, a bribery issue. They can actually deduct it on their taxes. Really? Yeah. So it's 
it's it's probably appropriate that it's in in some places that are not the United States. That is just how business is done. And yes, we should fight against it. But there are some things that America can't control, and I think Washington needs to re- probably realize that. But so China pushing into a vacuum. If a country needs, at the same time, the U.S. is saying we're going to help you with your gender issues and your whatever that might be, or green transformation in a country where people don't have electricity, don't have a all, an all-weather road they can use, or access to clean water, the U.S. is pushing gender issues. It is a, a mismatch of, of wants mm-hmm. versus needs. But China will come in and say, It's yes, a huge miscalculation. It's to, grotesque. To think that these people give a shit about gender ideology. When they do not have running water or electricity, correct. Or when the, or when the wife has to walk miles every day to go cut down wood and gather wood to drag it back to cook with, when you could develop hydrocarbons or a lot of other stuff to 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 make their lives better. Um, but China will come in and offer if there's a road or a dam or whatever needed, they say they, they basically come in at about three to four times what should be market retail price. And of course, it's it's ridiculous, but if they're pushing into a vacuum and that's your only option, they take it and they make it easier because they pay off the president, the minister of mines, the minister of energy or whatever to, to do that. I, I talked about it last time. The In the basement of the foreign ministry in Beijing, there's a hall, there's like a, a vault room where they take that leader when they come to Beijing and they walk them to that uh, safe deposit box and it's got their name on it and they open it up and there's gold or cash or diamonds or whatever. And they say, this is yours for when you retire, as long as you play ball with us. That's, that is the Chinese way. And, um, but again, most of Africa desperately wants to do business with America. They want Western investors, but it's, it's a, it's probably one of the best things the Trump administration did is they changed development finance. Well, it used to be OPIC, Overseas Private Investment Corporation, and they changed it to Development Finance Corporation, and they grew its balance sheet from $24 billion to like $65 billion. And they fortunately, they took the money away from AID, USAID, which was just hosing money all over the place with no, with no private capital attached. Because when private capital is the first to be spent – it's generally going to be spent much more carefully. So that's at least the start of a counterweight to this uh, Chinese money going into a lot of these places. It's So China shows up with money and infrastructure. We were just talking about Russia shows up with muscle and weapons. And there is definitely a space, there is a niche for the West to show up with, with know-how, governance expertise, with actual capable proper security. What the US has been doing in Africa from a security perspective has been quite pathetic. Um, a couple decades messing around in Somalia and not putting the fire out? Come on. How, how the, 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 some I see, some, some, some Somalis I talk to say it's a conspiracy. They just want to keep us in war to keep our, our gas from being developed. No, it's just our our infrastructure, our our, our bureaucracy is that stupid that, um, that I think the entire CT approach that the U.S. has been on for the last twenty five years is wrong because it's all about this. It's all about finding 
the top guy cutting the head off the snake, ignoring the fact that there's always some other asshole or five that are happy to step up and do that. If you look at the history of warfare and putting these fires out, the Punic War, the Pel Peloponnesian War, the Punic War, the American Civil War, World War I, World War II, the winning side crushed about 30% of the enemy's fighting power. As brutal as that sounds, these wars, these insurgencies, are, are, are won by defeating their finance, their logistics, and their manpower. I don't care how good this guy is. If he looks left and looks right and nobody's there, then it's over. So the hundreds of millions of dollars of high-end drone and surveillance capability to find one asshole, when I have friends that have been in Somalia as soft guys or ground branch guys or whatever, and they're so frustrated because they'll see on video, they'll see 300 jihadis, Al-Qaeda, Al-Shabaab guys fighting or, or training, doing close order military drill at a camp in the bush somewhere, and they can't get permission to attack him because the authorities are to go to this guy. Well, this guy is in some village next to a bunch of other civilians, so it's impossible to get permission to take the shot because you might kill an innocent kid when you have 300 or 500 assholes that one big fire force type operation could take out. That's a serious flaw in that no serious officer of any rank calls bullshit on that. I find very, very troubling. Yeah, me too. Me too. Because it's, you, you could have said you've done the same thing about a thousand different occurrences like that in Afghanistan when the Taliban are surrounding an enemy camp. They're laying siege to it. Okay, we have guns. We have artillery. We have helicopters. Do a fire force. They've just prevented, presented you a magnificent opportunity to kill 200 Taliban at one time. Stop this nonsense. Go back to actually what works in warfare and destroying the base of their of their pyramid. Makes a whole of a lot of sense. It's it's really not an original thought. It's just as old as, as the history of warfare. <clears throat> what do you think we should be doing in Africa? Should we be there? Or is it irrelevant at this point? If if <clears throat> look, some are are all I'm I'm a I love in, internal combustion engines. I will be probably one of the last people driving an internal combustion engine. But if there are those that want to transform to a uh, um, an electric economy, all those minerals are going to come out of Africa. That's where the vast majority of that supply is. And so competing there, right? So the I think one of the reasons the Russians have been helping to tip over all these Francophone countries, Mali, Burkina, Niger, Guinea, um, Gabon, I would say Chad or uh, Congo Brazzaville probably be next. Um, is that is that is about dominating the world's supply of yellow cake, of uranium? You've spent a lot of time in Africa. Yes, and it continues to be a a struggle. Uh, the Russians have moved in with muscle. They're gonna they're gonna roll up the Sahel. Um, if we're not careful, there are ways that the U.S. should push back uh, that can, and, and you do it through commercial and through, I hate to sound like I'm beating a drum, but I am, but a, but a, but a private approach because it allows you to operate with and through a foreign government, a host government that desperately wants the help. 
that doesn't have all the stigma, all the bureaucracy, and the expense that comes with sending um, conventional uniform U.S. forces. It is a great opportunity. We should use a lot more uh, SAF personnel in a long-term advising, mentoring um, role where they live with, it's not a JSET, it's not a two-week exercise where they deploy and they do some training. No, we should have soft guys that speak the language that attach themselves in these places because they will they will serve like a like a skeletal structure that that indigenous military at first depends on but it learns a lot from and if you provide that intel leadership intelligence communications medical logistics expertise to those units it works a lot better and you can do that either with an active duty soft guy that you give him a budget to help carry that forward or you do that with a contracted soft guy who has that experience, who's there working, whether paid for by the U.S., paid for by by a Western government to, to secure that supply chain, that works. Because, you know, operations in difficult areas are very, very difficult. And, and if you depend only on the indigenous forces, if you read the after action report on that, like 2017, there was a, soft, a U.S. soft element that was ambushed in Niger, and four Americans were killed. One of their mistakes, they had a long convoy of vehicles, but they'd concentrated the expats into a few vehicles. And so when the shit was on, a lot of those indigenous units ran away immediately. If they had spread their expat big brother mentor in each of those vehicles, it would have said, hey, follow me this way, and it could have kept the unit together. Obviously, they needed air power, a little bit of air power, even very unsexy air power. But again, the procurement process of the DOD is so awful. I remember I bought the first Super Tucano in North America in 2005 already. Had it fitted out with, um, with a FLIR and a G-Box, a cell phone intercept kit. We had it set up. We could drop laser-guided bombs. And the idea was that we could do liaison fire support aircraft, provide it to a JSOC element in Afghanistan or a SOCOM element somewhere in whatever weird African country where contractor flying the aircraft, either an active duty guy doing the weapons release or even better, someone from the host country. So it's always a host country guy deciding that. But that is the cost-effective practical way of building air power. Cecil Rhodes contact you've heard of a road scholar mm -hmm. he made a lot of money dominated the whole southern half of africa in the gold and diamond trade he dominated the the space in africa with the maxim machine gun and three thousand guys that's it air power today is the maxim machine gun i would say air power and then maybe a little bit of armed drone capability which lessons from the ukrainian war now have shown that an armed drone can be as cheap as a commercial drone that'll drop a grenade. That adaptation of air power gives you an overmatch, right? This was the first thing that you ta we taught us in the SEAL teams. Don't pick a fair fight. So somehow find a way to bring overmatch with you. That's the paradigm that should be applied. But the existing AFRICOM mess is, is it's, it's not right. I Look, I think... I think even the whole SOCOM headquarters should be shut and restarted. Really? 
how many officers at SOCOM headquarters actually come from a soft background? I don't even. 5%. (laughs) That's it. Correct. It's become the place where people do their joint tours. And so it should be called NOCOM, Normal Operations Command, not SOCOM. I'm not insulting the guys that come from a tank unit or an infantry unit or a ship. But if they didn't come from a special operations unit, how are they at Special Operations Command headquarters deciding on plans, policy, procurement, all those things that make soft unique? The whole reason SOCOM was brought into being was to prevent a Desert One debacle so that you had money that you could spend, authorities, and unique training capability because special operations is different than a normal operation. Again, in a special operations unit, you equip the man. The man is the weapon system. In a conventional unit, you man the equipment. As you're seeing in Ukraine, artillery and tanks, particularly artillery, is still the king of battle. That's a different paradigm to warfare. And if you're going to operate, if you're going to operate in the weird, wacky edges of the frontier, where you don't have the luxury of having all your stuff along, you need a highly adaptable, innovative, devious mind that will find a way to win. And that is not the paradigm that a conventional military operates with. You all know that preparing for the future is something I'm a big believer in. Looking out for my family's physical security has always been important to me, but ensuring their financial security is also a top priority and... That's why I chose Fabric. Fabric by Gerber Life was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Look, life is full of unexpected changes. My kids are growing up, my business is expanding, and it's been easy with Fabric. You could go from start to covered in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required. With over 1,800 five-star reviews, Fabric is rated as excellent on Trustpilot. So don't wait. Make this your top priority too and join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash Sean. That's meetfabric.com slash Sean. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash Sean. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. How many of you have logged into your Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, whatever your streaming platform is, only to find the same mind-numbing content over and over and over again? And then you wind up settling and you just... Watch that mind-numbing content. Maybe it's time to spend your time learning something that's inspiring and that could possibly improve your life. That's why I'm so excited that Hillsdale College is offering more than 40 free online courses in the most important and enduring subjects. You can learn about the works of C.S. Lewis, the stories in the book of Genesis, the meaning of the U.S. Constitution, the rise and fall of the Roman Republic, or history of the ancient Christian church. With Hillsdale College's online courses, they are all available for free. That's right, it's free. I personally recommend you sign up for American Citizenship in its decline with Victor Davis Hanson. In this eight-lecture course, Dr. Hanson explores the history of citizenship in the West and the threats it faces today. Threats like 
the erosion of the middle class, the disappearance of our borders, the growth of an unaccountable deep state, and the rise of globalist organizations. The course is self-paced so that you can start whenever and wherever you want. Start your free course, American Citizenship and Its Decline, with Victor Davis Hansen today. Go right now to hillsdale.edu srs to start. It's free and it's easy to get started. That's hillsdale.edu srs to start. hillsdale.edu srs. So with all of, switching gears here, but with all the Russian influence in Africa and all the Chinese influence in Africa, are those two, are they colliding at all? I wouldn't say colliding, they're cooperating. I would say a lot of the Chinese big infrastructure projects would be trending towards hiring some Russian capacity for security or enforcement. There's some efforts on on Chinese, but like I said before on the, on, the, on the FSG stuff, the idea of a Chinese PMC being anything like a Blackwater, zero chance of that happening because they are all about maximum control. And, and we, we enjoy a bit of a gun culture here in America where an individual that served in the military that still keeps his skills up with his pistol or his carbine or his long gun and he hunts and he shoots competitively or whatever, their idea of a great security operator in China is someone that does Kung Fu. Not a gun culture at all. In fact, it's so uptight about letting any of that, one of my favorite sayings, God created man, but Samuel Colt made them equal. It's a fact, right? There's nothing more empowering for a smaller stature female than being armed, right? That puts Very her true. that puts her on the same playing field as a six foot eight dude. Um, that kind of empowerment to the individual is antithetical to the Chinese Communist Party view of society. Period. So bad that a, that a policeman operating a pair, one guy will carry the pistol, the other guy will carry the magazine. And the guy with the pistol has to call back to headquarters to get permission to get the magazine oh, before wow. he loads the weapon. So that's so the idea of a Chinese robust PMC, no way. Not happening. So you don't you don't see any competition between Russia and China and Africa? Um not competition, I would say at at worst coopetition. Okay. But in, 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 in most ways, they're, uh, if, if Russia can lock up a resource, they'll sell it to the Chinese as well. Just like the gas and uh, mineral trade out of, uh, out of Russia, is, and a lot of it is going south to China. Okay. What about the China-Taiwan situation? Um, it is very real and going to get even more real and scary soon. Um, there is, so the next thing to think about, so <clears throat> coming back to that statement, novices argue tactics, professionals plan logistics. There are very few months in the year that an invasion works for Taiwan because of the wind and the sea state. I checked today before I came here and the wind was blowing 30 knots through the Taiwan Straits. 
Not a good day. Not a good day for, for, the, for the PLA. Um, so there's very small weather windows where, right? Because what is it? An amphibious invasion or an airborne strike are really hard to do. You have 100 miles of open ocean between mainland and Taiwan. Um, in a untested military where if Xi decides to go for it, it is he is thrown down. That is his, he's literally putting his life on the line because if they fail, kind of like Putin, Putin riding that tiger, if, if, if Xi goes down that road to start that kind of contest, there's only one way he's got to win and win it all or it's toast. So the next thing to think about is there's an election in January of 2024. So in four months for the presidency. Um, the, the existing party that's in power now is from the DPP, the Democratic People's Party. And the, the Kuomintang, which is the party that's largely dominated politics in Taiwan since Chiang Kai-shek, who was defeated by the Chinese communists and fled there in 49 to the island of Formosa, now it's Taiwan. The KMT is seen as the very pro-Beijing party. Traditionally, that contest. The DPP candidate is has said he was pro-independence before. The danger of him being elected is if he says something, and, and, and the Chinese, just in the last six months, have recast their, their, their law so that even... The refusal of a of an invitation to reunite with the mainland is enough provocation for the for the Chinese to invade. So they've said that. Kyle Bass, a money manager from Texas, did a fantastic video at the uh, Atlantic at the Hudson Institute, talking about the uneconomic things that China is doing, which points to them getting ready for something kinetic. Um. So watch that election. So you have the DPP candidate, the KMT candidate is pro-Beijing, and now you have Terry Guo, who um, was running for KMT, but they rejected him. He is so pro-Beijing. Why? He's the owner of Foxconn. Foxconn is who makes all of Apple's products in China. So <laughs> he's a Taiwanese businessman with a huge amount of his business in China. They definitely hold him uh where they want him. Um, if the KMT wins, then I see, I would say, continued salami slicing by the Chinese to take Beijing, sorry, to take Taiwan slowly. All scenarios are not great because you have massive firepower organized on the Chinese mainland, all focusing there. And like I said, anything that can be identified as a target can be smashed, including aircraft carriers with 5,000 Americans on board, etc. Our submarine fleet will be more important, essential than ever. That's the only thing that could get in any way close. Um, so as you, as you see China making these uneconomic decisions, and I'll give examples, their aircraft... The big banks, the big state-owned banks, have for 25 years been buying more and more Boeing and Airbus aircraft 
buying them to lease to the Chinese national airlines. So literally building a book of business worth tens of billions of dollars over the last 25 years now, all of it's for sale. They're getting ready to be sanction-proof. Chinese banks are moving all their foreign currency, all their dollars that they hold, away from Western banks where they'd be subject to sanctions. Chinese government has stored up one and a half years worth of wheat consumption. So just as recently as last fall, when you had severe food shortages during the, the party convention, so that was October of... 2022. Important. Xi, um, Xi has now been elected to a third term. Really since Mao, the party leaders served two five-year terms, 10 years and out. Xi said, oh no, I'm staying. And he's now a third term and he's basically president for life. He has replaced all the finance people in his cabinet with people that ran the missiles, the Air Force, and the Eastern combat regions. So he's really replacing financial technocrats with, with pipe hitters. Um, he, <laughs> at the party Congress, where he gave uh, his speech to the whole thousand people in this room, Hu Jintao, his predecessor, he literally had him hauled off and dragged out of there as a, I'm in charge now, you're not. Um, he, um, and then replaced any of the other people in the Politburo from Hu Jintao's clique with his own lackey. So he has assembled absolute total control of the Chinese state. It's bad. And so when you have no one that's opposing you or no one that's even going to bring you bad news tends to cause people to make bad decisions on bad information. Kind of like Putin had saying, oh yeah, we'll be great in Ukraine. It'll, it'll go swimmingly well. At least the, the defense of the Ukrainians has, I would say, caused another level of pause on the Chinese before they, they go all in on seizing it. Why does Taiwan matter to America? because they make 90% of all the high-end computer chips that literally make our way of life possible. Whether it's the chips in the camera filming this, the chips in the phone that you're watching this on, to the chips in the car, to the chips in aircraft, to the you name it, all the high-end, 90% of them come from Taiwan and about 50 to 60% of the mid-range ones. So like the, the amount of value to the greater global economy resident there is dangerously high. And there's money, there's billions of dollars being spent to build other chip plants in Korea or Japan or the United States in Arizona. But that's years from now. And a lot, it's, it's an exceedingly difficult, precise thing to make, as you can imagine, fitting that many uh, microprocessors on, on a few millimeters of silicon. So what does this look like? Um, I had an old frogman buddy, um, Ted Devine, rest, may he rest in peace. He, as a UDT, before there were SEAL teams, he did a hydro survey of all the beaches of Taiwan in like 1959. I said, Tad, is there any good beaches there? He said, no, there's no good beaches for hydro. Thank God. But the few that there are will be right in the north. 
and the southern tips. Taiwan itself is exceedingly difficult terrain. The middle of it is a high mountain range. The east side of the island is largely uninhabited and, and very, very difficult to get to. But all the stuff facing the Chinese mainland is where all the, 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 the chip plants are and where all the population is. The best thing that could be done, because there's not any silver bullet weapon system, there's not some magical aircraft or missile or even submarines at this point, that would deter an invasion. I think if you built, if the U.S. funded or organized or encouraged a, a serious home guard to be built in Taiwan, like I talked about for the American Revolution, 40% were pro-crown. There's probably about 40% of Taiwan that would be oh, plenty okay with reuniting with Beijing. They think it's just fine. They don't need their individual freedom. There's 30% in the middle that don't really care either way. There's 30% that want their freedom or at least status quo so they can keep on being Taiwan. All we need is 3% of that population. So there's what, 24 million people in Taiwan. That's about 720,000 people. The Taiwanese armed forces at like a million. No, sorry. No, no. It's like 150 to 200,000 active duty. Useless. Super corrupt, super penetrated, super lazy. Their, their training is a joke. If a home guard of even a half million people were equipped and trained with basic firearms, basic demolitions, teach them how to do a claymore, an EFP, a good roadside bomb, so that you create real uncertainty about how quickly an invasion and occupation and domination could be accomplished. Anytime you're going to do an invasion, the first 24 to 48 hours are very, very in question for the invading force. Look at any airborne assault, whether it's Normandy. Thank God the, 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 the Nazis have been pinned in place by, by the Jedbergs and by Allied bombing. In Operation Market Garden in the in the Netherlands, the U.S. and Brits got slaughtered in an airborne invasion because they that they're vulnerable. This invasion will be very very vulnerable in the first hours and days. The thing that the the, the Beijing planner could not account for is five hundred thousand people that are gunned up that live in those areas, and they say not today. I will defend my house, my family, my neighborhood. I prefer to remain free. That's a very, very tough uh, light to extinguish. There should be 100,000 EFPs stockpiled on the island in lots of different caches. You can do them through fire departments, through civil defense centers, police departments. Yes, a lot of those will be compromised and turned over to the CCP. So what? You could leave enough residual capacity of small units, give them the means to communicate discreetly and covertly, and why? Because if Beijing's gonna go for it, they have to know it can go fast. Why? Because they import about 75 to 80% of all their hydrocarbons. They are extremely vulnerable to a blockade themselves. All the hydrocarbons, oil and gas, that come out of the Middle East, comes through the Straits of Malacca, it's only a mile and a half wide. Very easy asymmetrically, to shut off tankers from using that. Gotcha. Makes sense. 
All the gas that comes into the country comes in through Turkmenistan, through Kazakhstan, through the northwest corner. Accidents happen on pipelines. Um, another pipeline runs right through Burma from the port of Jopio, right up the old road to Mandalay that the U.S. used in World War II to support the free Chinese fighting the Japanese. If, and that is the what should be a soft mission, is figuring out how to, how to in a in a deniable or or uh, mm-hmm. unconventional way, be able to to clip those resources, because again, China ha- China cannot stand the um, the negative narrative that would erupt around them going in and being brutal in Taiwan. The reason they couldn't do the reason they couldn't do Hong Kong at the height um, of protests in like 2018 and 19 is because there was hundreds of thousands of phones. I mean, hell, there's there's a Chinese garrison in the city, but they weren't going to roll them out and do a Tiananmen Square style because there was so much means to communicate to show any kind of brutal crackdown. So if you give the people of Taiwan the the basic means of communication of recording mainland badness and especially the means to defend themselves, even basically, that will deter because that becomes a very incalculable risk. Because look, I, I remember in the Blackwater days that we could take somebody in five days that had never touched a gun in their, in their lives that were, they basically had zero martial skills and we could make them a competent operator with a rifle that could shoot, move, and communicate, run through a stress course safely and competently in five days. You give me a Taiwanese guy for three weeks, some basics from small arms, some basic urban tactics, some basic um, uh, urban ambush capabilities, a couple days of improvised demo, some comms, some medical, and then some regular reserve training. It's cheap. It's very effective. And it would actually, I think, be a unifying theme across Taiwanese society. They're trying to do it now. They're doing it with airsoft guns. Do it with real guns. Go to the CrossFit gyms. Go to the Boy Scout leaders. Go to the 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 natural. Again, we only need two or three percent, and that's a deterrent. I wish, I wish all the smart people in Washington would listen. But uh, again, they tend to to listen to the the siren song of. Oh, there's always some other miraculous weapon system that's going to do it. What, no. what smart people in Washington are you referring to? <laughs> but, the, um, ones, the ones occupying all the E-ring. Yeah. Are you, so back to the communications piece, because that made a hell of a lot of sense with the, with the phones and being able to record the brutality. Are you saying that Taiwanese don't have that capability? It's a stated goal um that if Beijing has a go at Taiwan, they're gonna do all they can to smash any and all power, water, and telecom and to shut it down in Taiwan. So that it is completely isolated, completely cut off and blockaded. And um I don't know that um here's the thing. Do I want my kids and your kids fighting and dying for Taiwan? No. They shouldn't have to. We can empower Taiwanese, that 3% of that population, give them the means to defend themselves. That's enough of a deterrent factor. Because, again, 
the, the 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 frustrating thing about the Pentagon for me is that they keep running they they're going to run the same playbook that the time that the Chinese would be expecting, and then we'll be surprised when aircraft carrier battle groups get smoked. Yeah, I mean, if if Taiwan were those percentages that you rattled off, was that for global? Was that for the world's computer chips, or was that U.S. global? Why aren't more countries involved in this? In producing them? Why aren't more countries concerned about Taiwan? It seems like the U.S. is the only one concerned, and it seems like only about half of the U.S. is the, uh, Look, the Europeans are waking up. The Koreans are very concerned. They're, they're, the, the Samsung, uh, LG, they're spending billions of dollars building more chip capacity, but the really high-end chip capacity is still resident only in Taiwan. That needs to be replicated elsewhere. How are the how how are my, how are more nations not? Good question. Look, the Japanese are highly concerned. Also. I mean, I, I I guess it makes sense. I mean, we saw this. We saw. I mean, I don't know what it's called other than stupidity. We saw the stupidity with the with the with the gas coming from Russia into Europe. Yeah, Trump called it when he said, "Hey, Germany, wake up, or you're going to be." you know, subjugated to, to Russian gas and they laughed and um, they, they, I, look, I don't understand the German mindset because they even, even after the invasion, they still shut down nuclear plants. Nuclear is clean, highly efficient um, and effectively renewable because you can reprocess the fuel and, and use more of it and use it again. Um, I don't understand the, the green, um, mind blob that's overtaken the Germans. But but even the Japanese are doing significant reforms to their defense and trying that Prime Minister Kishida has been trying to do that. But at the same time, he's getting arm twisted by Rahm Emanuel, the U.S. ambassador, to adopt all this LBGTQ whatever legislation, which is a complete distraction from a very conservative Japanese society that's trying to prepare to defend themselves from a mortal Chinese threat. But again, Gender seems to be a greater priority for the Obama for the Biden administration than for um, preparing against uh, or deterring against any conflict from China. Why? Why? Why are we seeing this gender ideology just consume everything? It's just it's 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 spreading everywhere. It's in schools. It's in advertisements. Uh, my it's in uneducated guess is that the massive lobbying and information capacity that was spooled up to promote and get um, gay marriage approved when suddenly it was. You had all this idle capacity and somebody put more funds into it to say, all right, let's push gender. And um, I think um, I was talking to a, a psychiatrist friend of mine because uh, I asked him, I said, what is causing this gender thing? He said, every every decade or so, there's 3% of population that's highly susceptible to suggestion. And in the 90s or the 2000s, it was uh, anorexia and bulimia, and that was, the, that was the issue that people were wrestling with. And now it's become gender. And so to actualize yourself and to get attention and, and all the rest, and especially reinforced and amplified by all the, the maladies and bad things that come with social media, you have this this gender cult which is wrecking society
What do you think it stems from? Is it is it the money behind it? Is it the surgeries? What is it? I, I think mean, it's you've, you've created, they've well, now, created well, now, a lifelong patient. Uh, correct, they, a lifelong patient, and the and the the doctors and the surgery centers that actually get involved in this need to be held to account because how, how is this not a violation of the Hippocratic Oath? Ladies and gentlemen, it has been a minute since I've done a Bub's Naturals commercial, but it has not been a minute since I've taken the best shit of my entire life. Actually, just knocked one out this morning. It was amazing. And I'm gonna give you the secret. You ready? Here's the secret. You want the secret for the best shit of your entire life that you could do, I don't know, every day, maybe multiple times a day? Here's the secret. Bub's Naturals Collagen Peptide says it's good for joints, hair, skin, and nails. I'm surprised they don't put on there. It'll give you the best shit of your entire life, but hey, I get it, right? And you mix that with the Halo Creamer that's MCT oil. Put these two together, you're gonna have a explosive <laughs> hell of a day. These things are both Whole30 approved NS. F certified and USDA approved. So there's that on top of that. Hold on, wait, there's more. If that doesn't get you going, which I guarantee you it will, you've got Bub's new coffee. So this is the first ever coffee bean Whole30 approved, if you can believe that. And we all know coffee can, you know, speed things up a little bit in the morning. But hold on, wait. There's more apple cider vinegar gummies. Guys, I'm gonna be honest, I don't know exactly what these things do for you, but uh, here it says, promotes energy, immune support, promotes healthy digestion, and supports healthy metabolism. I can tell you one thing, good luck just eating one of these things because at the end of the night, I will crush an entire bottle of these that will not give you the best shit of your life. I wouldn't recommend it. It will speed things up, but you may not like the final outcome. And hold on, wait, there's more. There's more. Bubs came out with a lot of new products. They have these hydrate or die hydration packets. Great for post-workout. All this stuff is great for post-workout, especially the uh, collagen protein. Guys, here's another thing about Bubs. Bubs is a tribute company. It's named after Glenn Bubs Doherty, who was a Navy SEAL and CIA contractor. He died defending our freedom in Benghazi. And Bubs donates a portion of every order to the Glenn Doherty Foundation, and they donate 100% of the proceeds from their products on Veterans Day every year. I love this company. They are just solid people with a solid product, and they just want everybody to experience the best shit of your life. Go to bubsnaturals.com, use the promo code SEAN for 20% off, and let's get it going. Let's move into CIA reform. Okay. Look, the United States needs a robust, capable, devious intelligence service that is focused on collecting information 
and providing information so that policymakers can make very good decisions. They are not in the business of pushing information domestically to pursue a, a, a desired policy outcome. Big difference. The 1947, so I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm a big enough advocate of, of the special operations intelligence world that one of my kids is named after Wild Bill Donovan. An amazing guy, lawyer, Medal of Honor recipient, World War I, started the OSS, the Office of Strategic Services. And he left uh, at the end of the war and the CIA was, was started in 47. We need covert action. We need daring, um, daring operations. Right? Talks about Clausewitz, the old Prussian military philosophers, talks about two kinds of courage to fight a war. Individual soldiers' courage and the moral courage of leaders to commit their people to an uncertain outcome. We need both of those in Washington, but we're especially lacking in moral courage. You need an agency that's willing to dare to go do high-risk stuff. The issue is it's become a highly politicized organization that is very risk-averse and very tilting towards per perpetuation of the status quo of of party power politics. And one of my you know, one of my grave concerns that even happened under the Trump administration is, and, and now seeing um, um, Kennedy, Bobby Kennedy's son, uh, running for office, asking for Secret Service protection, denied by the Biden administration. But whatever happened with the Kennedy assassination, there was a, I think there was a Warren Commission. And because of the you know, I have a I have a business partner who's a real ballistics expert, and he's done all the analysis on what the Warren Commission found for for the shooting of John F. Kennedy, and there's no way it was a lone shooter. And I even read a a, a very urban a, a very detailed analysis of of urban sniping that said there's no way it was one shooter. So, in 1992, Congress passed a law that said within 25 years. Everything related to the Kennedy assassination must be declassified and released to the public within 25 years. The 25-year date was 2017. Mike Pompeo was a CIA director, and he didn't release the documents, nor has the Biden administration. And so I'm wondering, what the hell is it that they're covering? Maybe it points to the agency. Maybe it points to organized crime. Who knows? But for heaven's sakes, this for this republic to function, we need the, the disinfecting effect of transparency and let it go. Let, let those facts out. The same issue, even if you've heard of Havana syndrome, which is started in Havana and there was U.S. diplomats, people assigned to the embassy that were suddenly coming down with terrible blindness and, and, and TBIs, literally traumatic brain injury that you could detect on a, on a brain scan. In one case, there was a guy in Colombia affected. And this has been in India, in Vietnam, in Vienna, even in Washington, D.C. This has been going on all over the place. And there's a big gap between the agency director saying, well, this is not a foreign power, this is not a hostile power, 
And there's a hell of a lot of other fact pattern that points to this being done by a Russian hostile foreign power. And I, I'm bothered by the fact that the agency would want to gloss over this, telling its own people that they're liars. That is not how you engender the trust and confidence of your people to be going to to be willing to go do very dangerous things on the behalf of their country when their country will them over and leave them hanging and tell them they're liars for, in some cases, a guy had a brain scan two weeks before, was fine, incident happens, and there's definitive measurable damage to his brain caused by this um, this Soviet-designed, uh, actually came from, um, from uh, Kharkiv uh, back in the, in the early 70s. So that's a problem. We need truth on that. You know, I interviewed I interviewed a case officer on this show all about that who got supposedly got hit with one of those microwave weapons. Unfortunately, he was also one of the CIA guys that do you know who I'm talking about? Palomeros. Yeah. Who's also one of the Yeah, one of the guys that claimed that Hunter Biden's um laptop was was yeah. uh, Russian disinformation. Yep. And so I just disregarded the entire episode <laughs> because, I mean, is he reliable? Look, I, 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 in that case, that was obviously, that was a an attempt by the Democratic presidential campaign to enlist as much credibility as they could. And they grabbed every other fellow traveler they could from the intel agency that thought that Trump would be bad for the CIA. And so they say, oh, yeah, without any real knowledge, they say that looks like Russian disinformation. But, I mean, as wrong as it was, and it was... A thousand percent wrong. It worked for them. Their lie, a lie told often enough, has a way of somehow coming true. That's, but that's, that's how Joseph Goebbels did it as well. The the Nazi propagandist. So you're saying this technology was developed back in the seventies? Mm -hmm. Are we using it? I don't think so. You don't think we're using it on our own, on our own people? I mean, there's reports of this happening at the White House, at the um, at the White House stairs, mm. um, different hotels in D.C. I don't know, but I, I would I would not be surprised if the Russians felt uh, empowered enough to do it wherever the hell they chose to. How do you think it's being employed? What do you mean? What does it What does it come from? Does it come from a handheld device? Does it come from a satellite? Where it's it not from? tiny. It's not satellite. It's it's got to be something uh, line of sight. I don't know that much of the detail of it, but. Do you know anything about these energy weapons that are kind of starting to show up? Uh, you mean lasers or what? Well, I mean, there's, I can't remember the name of the company or I don't know how to pronounce it. It's like Eprimus or something. But I've actually, I've been talking to the CEO of the company a little bit and uh, he sent me some, I mean, it's on, it's open source. It's on you can see it on social media, but it's these, 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 it almost looks like a surfaced air missile trailer and it will, there's videos of drones coming out and it'll just disable the drones mid flight. All of them will fall. There's no ammo. There's no sound. There's ah, no nothing. So it's a jamming device though. I don't know. I think there's diff, I think there's different options. Well, here's the thing. The, there's autonomous drones, which is going to navigate its way. You're going to launch it, and it's going to find. It's going to navigate its way to a point and crash into something. 
So you need really good targeting information before you launch it to do that. Like the Shahed 136, the, the, the cheap one that the Iranians have developed that have been smashing into a lot of buildings in Ukraine and hitting their infrastructure. It's like a twenty dollars to $50,000 drone that they developed. And they'd actually, the, the, the first version uses a simple version of terrain contour matching, which is, um, it's what the old Tomahawk missiles did in the 80s, where they'd literally take a map and you'd, it, you'd have a, a, a map loaded into it and the camera would follow and it would keep following a river or certain look for certain nav points. In that sense, it doesn't need, that, that drone doesn't need any outside command input to find where it's going. In fact, it can even fly into a jammed environment because it's mapping, it's following its way off of what it sees on the ground. So a jamming device is not going to do much to that. You have to hard kill that. You have to knock that out of the sky. But all these other first-person drones or even an AI drone where it's going to be communicating and coordinating with the drones around it, if you have a big RF jammer, which jams the, the command link, that's why the, that's what's making all those things fall down. Okay. Unless it's hitting it with some kind of laser energy where it literally has to burn it out of the sky, that's another option. But that takes a lot of energy and in a sandy or humid environment, you know, if you remember shooting the soft lambs and you're mm -hmm. lazing a target yeah. back in the SEAL days, sand, dust, snow does does terrible things for a laser beam. Interesting. I believe it was it was the laser beam. It was a laser beam that was frying the frying the circuits or whatever it does. It could be the 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 Durkham system, which is fitted on on uh, TF-160 Chinooks or high-end birds or Air Force One is a directional infrared countermeasure. And that's a laser that detects the launch and the laser literally burns the seeker head to break the lock. Interesting. Interesting. Also inter interviewed uh, Chris Miller, which was Trump's last secretary of defense. And he is now contracting for some of these defense companies and says we're about this close from having that iron dome over the U.S., I don't know. Um, maybe that would be uh, that would be amazing. I in my in my travels, I managed I managed to meet the guy that that made Iron Dome possible in Israel, and it's a hell of a story because his kids were in kin, in kindergarten with my with my buddy's kids, and that that business was bankrupt, and Rafael came to him and said, "Build us the brain, the the operating system, which will do this," and so. Um, Iron Dome receives the incoming telemetry, the trajectory of where it was launched, where that missile or that rocket is headed. And it does the calculation in about a second and a half of where it is and where it's going to land. And it figures out if it's going to land in an open field, let it go. If it's going to land near a school or an apartment building, shoot it down and it builds the firing system, the, the firing solution that quickly to shoot a incoming rocket with another rocket, and they've and they've got the unit cost down to about fifty thousand dollars a shot. Damn, which is that's incredible. And the next thing they'll try to do is is to do that with a laser, which will be a lower cost shot. But again, wait till it's smoky or foggy, and again, advantage back to the attacker. Well, since we're on the tech subject, I know you have a new phone coming out. Well, yes. Um, and we talk about we talked about at the beginning about the consolidation of American industries across the board, and 
whether it's airlines, insurance, food, one of the reasons the tech sector has gone so big so fast is it's also, it was the most unregulated space and they were allowed to consolidate without limits whatsoever. So now you have Google controlling 90% of, of search. So they literally control your access, your search of data. You have Facebook, social media guys controlling 70 to 80% of all that messaging. <laughs> when, when Zuckerberg paid $20 billion and bought WhatsApp, he did that because every message, call, picture, whatever that passes through from WhatsApp is analyzed by their algorithm to sell advertising. And that became very clear to me when I managed to piss off my wife. And she sent me a scorcher of a text on WhatsApp. And for the next two weeks, she was getting endless advertising from divorce lawyers and from Match.com. <laughs> oh, Van, are you kidding me? Absolute fact. And and then seeing what um, you, know, you have effectively a duopoly between Apple and Google. Apple about thirty percent of world market share. Google, the other seventy percent. Those are the two operating systems which control those phones. So if you're running a any Android today or any Apple iPhone, they know where you go, who you call, what you buy, and what you browse. The companies do. And they resell that data, your, your data, to advertisers. And even despite all the nonsense or the noise that, that they're saying, how oh, we respect privacy and all the rest, your advertising ID follows you everywhere. Even if your phone is switched off, or if, you're, if it's in airplane mode, it's still pinging Wi-Fi, it's still pinging towers, it knows exactly where you are. And then seeing what happened um, with big tech, deciding who could be on the app, the app stores, throwing them off, and literally controlling and censoring speech, um, I said to a, a couple of buddies of mine, because we had a, a project we were working on, a cyber forensic thing, and I said, let's pivot, let's we need to do a phone, an independent phone platform that is not subject to the to the whims of Google and Apple. And so, um, if you've ever heard of Pegasus, I have not. Um, it's an offensive cyber virus used for hacking phones. Okay. The guy that developed that is our CTO, but he did it not to be offensive. He did it as a way for a phone company to do remote phone service. They send you a text, they click on it fix your phone, and then leave. When he became offensive, he left, and he went and built a very secure phone, which is still used by, uh, by governments today. And then he went to build uh, the phone that controls most of the world's pacemakers. You can imagine, you don't want a phone that you can hack um, if you're going to run a pacemaker with it. Yeah, no kidding. So uh, we'll deliver the first 500 units next month. It's our hardware. It's Android-based, but it's all our code, our phone, not made in China, supply chain not coming from China, with our operating system, with our own store, antivirus, VPN, and secure messenger. And look, if you're 16 years old and you posted what you had for breakfast on, on Instagram, it's probably not for you. But if you're an adult that cares about um, uh, where you go as your business, and uh, it's not to be, your, your data is not to be traded on uh, with everyone, 
uh, that's something to think about. So we'll sell the phone for just under a thousand bucks, comparable in speed, storage, camera quality to the highest end of what the other guys sell. But our operating system does not contain any of those hooks for harvesting and selling your data. So it's a proprietary phone and hardware. Correct. Operating system, hardware, all the rest is called unplugged. And um, uh, we're pretty excited about it. It also, uh, you know, it comes with a uh, with an actual kill switch. Because again, if you if you turn this phone off and you separate this, it separates the electronics from the battery so that off is off. And um, uh, so you, you, you buy it for just under $1,000. The second year, you'll pay $10 a month, and we guarantee that none of your data is collected, stored, analyzed, or resold. If you still want to use other secure messaging apps like Signal or Threema or Telegram, that's available in our app store. We even have... Is it well, necessary? Would it be necessary at all to have Signal other no. than contacts? Nope. No. Not, we have our own secure messenger. Um, it works uh, voice call, video call. Um, and ours, our huh, our messenger generates a new encryption key every call. No shit. Yes. Incredible. Um, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and because it's our app store, it's not Apple's, it's not Google's. We even have a lot of the apps that that are not allowed in those stores, like even an app for people that, a dating app for people that are unvaccinated, for example, right? Because the, 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 the Silicon Valley Wizards deemed that was too controversial. So people that are in favor of free speech and uh, freedom of expression and thought should find uh, a residence here in, uh, in what we're doing. When you use the, the messenger, yep. if I... So let's say, how do I say this? Does it have to be phone to phone? What's it called? Unplugged? Unplugged. Does it have to be unplugged phone to unplugged phone to get the secure? Our messenger also fits. We can You can put it on a iPhone or you can put it on any other Android right now. Those phones will still have an ad ID. So if you're using that phone, um, that data will still be tracked. But the, but the phone call itself will be secure, highly secure. So that phone to iPhone, that's secure. Yep. iPhone to iPhone, not. Or, what, uh, or look, whatever, you, WhatsApp to WhatsApp. Unplugged Messenger, uh, we realized that um, a lot of people communicate through a lot of different means. And so we wanted our Messenger to be, um, to be compatible. We'll, we'll soon have a function where we can go from Unplugged Messenger and push it to a signal. Okay. You're only using signal. Uh, but Unplugged to Unplugged is... Far and away, the most secure way you can communicate. We even have a dump feature that if someone says, unlock that phone, and you can enter a code to unlock it, or you can enter another code, which wipes it. It wipes it 100%. Gone, baby, it's gone. Clean. Nice. Nice. What? <clears throat> we had a question from the audience about the Patriot Act. Okay. Can you describe what the Patriot Act is? I think the Patriot Act was a well-intentioned, but turns out awful overreach and awful overgranting of authorities for the federal government to dig into people's communications. And I think it was it was passed in the recent memory of 9/11, which was shocking and alarming to a lot of people. And 
Uh, the danger of these forever wars is that eventually all these tools get turned back on, on the populace, on citizens. And Unplugged is an answer to that because I think the hegemony of big government and big tech has swung the pendulum of, of a surveillance state way, way too far in one direction. And we did this phone as a way for people to reclaim their communications uh, and data privacy. Um, short of that, I mean, you, you'll see lots of, um, uh, of stories on, on, on any government agency. Heck, you can right now with a credit card and a thousand bucks buy all the cell phone data on a certain neighborhood or certain house. And you watch the advertising IDs that are attached to each of those Google and Apple phones, where they go. And, and over a period of 30 days, you can build a pattern of life and you know where they go, when they go, who they go meet, et cetera. It's alarming. And that's not even a, there's no FISA warrant or any warrant that's required for that. And that's done routinely. That's even how all, anybody that was on the Capitol grounds on January 6th, that's how they, that's how they were all identified was whose cell phones are registered to towers, uh, what their IMEIs were and, uh, and the cell phone data. We don't have an advertising ID, and we have an ability to roll the IMEI. Man, that's incredible. When, when are these coming out? First 500 come in uh, end of September, and then we'll grow to uh, a few thousand, and, and we'll build. We're, we're not a, uh, a super venture capital-backed company, meaning we're thin and lean and mean, but um, uh, you know we're like the, uh, the little engine that can. We're, we're going to get there. That's incredible. Unplug.com. Unplug.com. You need one. I do need one. I'll get one. <laughs> Let's take a break. All right. Here's the situation. You've got China, Russia, Ukraine, the border. The banks seem to be collapsing. Plus, the Chinese just negotiated with Iran, Saudi Arabia, and Brazil to drop the U.S. dollar. And most Americans, including myself, feel that we're in a recession right now. But despite all the evidence, I can't tell you what's going to happen for sure. Nobody can. Yet when it comes to your money, you should understand what's at stake. That's why I partnered with GoldCo to possibly help at times like this. Go to seanlikesgold.com or call 855-936-GOLD to get your free gold and silver kit. The kit shows you how to defend your money with precious metals and how listeners of the show could get up to $10,000 in bonus silver. Go to seanlikesgold.com or call 855-936-GOLD to get your free gold and silver kit. I can't predict the future, but I can certainly prepare for it. So go to seanlikesgold.com or call 855-936-GOLD now. Performance may vary. Consult with your tax attorney or financial professional before making an investment decision. Today's show is brought to you by HelixSleep.com. Sleep, especially as you get older, is so critical, especially that deep, comforting sleep. Go to HelixSleep.com and take the sleep quiz. I took it, and I was matched to the Midnight Lux. I've always struggled to get a full night's sleep. After years of operating overseas, some days my back is just absolutely shot. But not anymore. I've had Helix Sleep Mattress for over a year now, and it leaves me feeling refreshed and ready for the day 
every day. Plus, their enhanced cooling features keep me cool all night long. Helix knows that everyone's unique, so they have several different mattress models to match based on your body type and sleep preferences. Once you match, your mattress comes right to your door shipped for free. Helix has a 10-year warranty and even has financing options for flexible payment plans. So a great night's sleep is never far away. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com SRS and use the code HELIXPARTNER20. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. All right, Eric, we're back from the break, this last segment, but uh, we covered a lot of ground, a lot of what's going on in the world, a lot of what's going on in the country. How are we going to turn this ship around, get it headed in the right direction? I think we need to insist that our candidates focus on, on making America competitive, that the elements that made the American dream possible are still possible. Because the more regulations that are on top of us and the less competition is bad, whether you're an entrepreneur or whether you're a labor a labor guy. So this is something that even the most Democrat voting International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers should be concerned about is, are there enough businesses competing so that he can spend his money effectively and efficiently, and that he's not stuck with only one employer that can pay him, right? That's a that is a an issue. Uh, competitiveness for entrepreneurs for small and mid-sized business is essential to to everyone except the the most highest elites. Do Do you think that there are enough? Do you think there are enough people of that intelligence that can piece that together? It's on, it's on candidates to, to get to educate them to make it that way. I mean, look, our education system is really bad. Is you know, I just saw a statistic before COVID, 2018, graduating every year from Baltimore, only 11 percent of the graduates can read, and only 10 percent can do math at the level expected of a high school graduate. So. You're saying the Baltimore City Schools that were spending $18,000 a piece are graduating 90% illiterate writing and math illiterate people. I can't think of anything that the Ku Klux Klan could devise to do a better job of keeping minorities down than giving them an absolute shit education. And... People need to wake up. I mean, even common sense is just, it's, it's, it's gone. Yes. It's gone. It's not gone. It's maybe diminished, but alternate means of communication, alternate means of conveying information, um, it's coming. And, um, and despite the, uh, the efforts of, of big media and big government and that collusion, um, I mean, thank God Musk bought Twitter. Uh, it, it's going to, uh, free speech must be, must, must never be lost. So you have to be able to educate. You have to be able to debate. You have to be able to compete and you have to be able to bank. This idea of a central bank digital currency 
is exceedingly dangerous and must be resisted by all means necessary. Because if they can control your ability to spend any kind of medium exchange, then they truly have you by the balls. That then, then it becomes the embodiment of what China has with their social credit score, where, oh, <laughs> another terrible factoid um, of the uneconomic things that China is doing, preparing for a conflict with Taiwan. They have a huge shortage of the blood supply. All the people with low social credit score, they can adjust their credit score by giving blood for basically government reserve blood banks. We don't want anything like a social credit score, but that's even what our big tech mavens and banking are trying to push here between the Black Rocks and the Vanguards with their ESG scores that they're imposing on any business that if they don't abide by whatever BlackRock wants, they get shut off from the capital markets. That is antithetical to America. And so, again, it comes back to, for me, the most important thing, we must restore competitiveness and do real antitrust enforcement. We don't need an ESG enforcement part of the, of the DOJ. We need an antitrust enforcement part of the DOJ. How does the country unite? You know, good times have a way of producing soft men. Soft men produce hard times, and it, it comes back around. And um, I hope that America does not have to go through hard times to, uh, to wake up and to, um, and to be reminded of what, of what all the things we have to take granted for. Regardless, even if you are a, a, um, the average American, even the average poorest American still lives infinitely better than someone did 100 years ago. Even the richest of the rich. That's a fact. But I travel to a lot of the real garden spots of the world to realize that um, the basics of governance really matter. And this is, a, this is a competition of governance, whether we want a free and independent republic or one that is absolutely controlled by a CCP-like mandated elite. And um, I, I will always bet on liberty. But it's not it's it, it's liberty, but it's not without sacrifice. Do you think I think some of this division has come from God being ripped out of education? Sure, absolutely. It, everyone has a hole in their soul. I think we all have a quest for something that defines our role our, our place in the world. And you can either fill that with fame or popularity or money or power, or you can fill that with, uh, with faith in a Judeo-Christian faith, a Judaic, a, an Islamic faith, or something that orders your place in the world compared to the divine. And the rejection of that the, the kind of the, 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 the problem in America has been people saying, I am God. And, and that, they, um, that they can make decisions without any consequences to themselves or others. And uh, when, we, when we put ourselves on the place of uh, equality with, uh, with the deity, a whole bunch of problems stem from that. I, um, that was a... 
I'll never forget having to do the first uh, death notifications of the guys that died working for BW and uh, tried to provide them and the families with as much support as possible. And uh, we even hired a chaplain. Um, we hired the former chief chaplain of the Marine Corps, Father George Pucciarelli. He'd actually been on the ground in uh, Beirut when the Marine bombings was Marine barracks was bombed in 83. Full career as a Navy captain, but was the chief chaplain of the Marine Corps. And I got him, convinced him to come out of retirement to be our company chaplain. And he was uh, the design of a great chapel at Blackwater because I figured we'd given our guys the best colleagues, the best training, the best equipment, and I wanted to afford them the ability to have some kind of a, a spiritual understanding, uh, a, a, a relation with their creator, and um, um, and we were going to build a chapel. And instead of building that, the entire federal government came for us, and I ended up paying lawyers and ended up selling the business. But it's a uh, it's an unfinished uh, unfinished business for me. What was his name? Father George Pucciarelli. What drew you to him? I looked for a, a strong old school priest that understood faith and he understood um, the challenges of wartime and ministering to the men and the challenges that they faced out there doing it. The challenges it put on their marriage, the challenges that it put on their relationship with their colleagues. And uh, you know, so we had two things at BW that were unusual for a private company. We had a company master chief, a retired SEAL master chief, um, Herschel Davis, old Vietnam vet. And, uh, you know, he handled a lot of the good order and discipline issues when you have thousands of guys deployed. Some guys do stupid things. And then Father George took care of, uh, geez, he did baptisms, he did weddings, he did a lot of marital counseling and, and all the things that went with having lots of guys deployed. I did not know you were tied in with Herschel Davis. Of course. That guy lived on my same block. Really? Where I grew up. He, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he used to, he lived on a corner lot and uh, he always had people driving through his yard. He was always out putting traps and shit out in his yard to try that to. That sounds like Herschel. Yep. Herschel managed a spot, uh, a remote spot that we managed for, uh, for the government for many, many years. And he was the kind of the chief of that base and that was perfectly in his strike zone. Yeah, I saw him on the Discovery Channel, and I was like, "Holy shit, that's my neighbor!" Yep. And I uh, went down to go see him, and he he had uh, he had he was gone. It was just his wife there. But um, wow, interesting. Do you still have contact with him? Of course, talk to him every every few weeks. That's been the that was the greatest privilege of starting BW and managing it was the amount of colorful characters that uh, that we got to employ and. Um, I'll never forget offloading the little birds when they first got to Baghdad. And there were a bunch of vets from Black Hawk Down that had just happened 10 years earlier. And they said, Mr. P, thanks for giving us the chance to do this again. This is what we're good at. And that's that was um, that was the culture we tried to build of, a, of stepping forward when the mission is required and finding a, mean, finding a way to get it done. Wow. <clears throat> we need more of that in America. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Warwick, I really appreciate you coming out. Once it's, it's great to see you, and it is an honor to be Congrats able to on have. your success, and I'm glad to be back. 
Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. Thanks. Cheers. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.